with us on the air uh, is our dear friend Stephanie. And Stephanie, you have a special guest who's used to celebrating on the 4th of July. Go ahead. Absolutely. This is my mother-in-law, Eleanor Lindenberger. But Eleanor is a dog camper from the um, dog camper stores uh, family. And her brother's Joe Dahlkemper. And, uh, uh, you know, my father-in-law was a Lindenberger. So I married into the Lindenberger slash Dahlkemper family and started going to these family reunions at the oldest sister's house, Rita, in Sagertown. Um, And that was over 40 years ago. So I was just asking my mother-in-law here, who's with us for the weekend, how long they've been, they were, how long did they, um, or when did they start meeting for the 4th of July with all of the Dahlkemper clan? And what did you think, Mom? I think it's between 65 and 70 years. Wow. And was yeah. it always the 4th yeah. of July? Yes, it was. It was always right on the 4th. Now, it, since that time, we did change. And uh, when we got to be such a big family... We went to every other year, which uh, is very good, too. We got to celebrate together. So this year we're meeting at Camp Sherwin, and there are Dahl Kemper family members coming from all over the country. Um, We've had the picnic at at our house, my husband and mine, um, and that was about three years ago. ago. I think we've had two here. Over 100 people in my yard. Wow. And, uh, um, yeah. Everybody brings a dish, just like we always did to Aunt Rita's house. And um, the fun thing was, Joel, Aunt Rita lived in Sagertown right on, what was that, the main road 19. there? 19. On 19. And they had a little Cape Cod with one bathroom and a great big <laughs> backyard. And I think, I don't know, how many, years, how many years did we meet there? And it only rained once. We only had to move to St. Bridget's Church <laughs> in all those years. Um, but, uh, you know, we always have games for the little kids and prizes and bingo and everything. So it's not quite the same as it was at Aunt Rita's, but we still have a really fun time. Well, and again, you probably take over the camp. I mean, if you're at Sherwin, how many are you expecting for uh, this year? I don't even know how many, because I wasn't involved. This is one of the first years that I haven't been involved in the planning. Of have it. they already? Has it already gone to the younger generation from you, Steph? Or well, not really. We've tried <laughs> to pass it off, <laughs> but it still runs back in in my generation. I think uh, my mother in law's the oldest. Isn't is it Mary Mary Beth the oldest grandchild? Mm, no, Dick. she's not. Dick, Dick. is the oldest. Yeah. But, Mary Beth and I were, were the, usually the organizers of the kids' games, and uh, so it sounds like Mary Beth. And, and one tradition that we do is we have a memorial service yeah. for mm. all those who have passed away. Oh, that's yeah. beautiful. And the three, since three years ago, there's three of them that we have lost. Yeah. Wow. So anyway, it's, it's just a, a beautiful get-together. Yeah. It, it really it really does go to the point that life is too short to not stay up with family, isn't it? That's right. Absolutely. Family is so important. Mm-hmm. It's gotten now, though, that I have so many great-grandchildren, 43 to be exact, 
that I have my own reunion then. That's right. <laughs> right. Wow. Our reunion next week. <laughs> so, so by the end yeah. of July, you're like, okay, I need to, I need a little hermit time. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go into yeah. a hammock and read a book, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, what, what an she honor to hear. Making, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say she just finished making two raspberry pies for mm. our, our other, our small party tomorrow. Um, but yeah, she's still pretty, pretty busy around here. What what's your what's your uh, specialty there, Steph? Uh, what do you what do you bring picnic? What do you bring into the picnic? Yeah, I, I usually bring like baked beans or you know one of our Italian family. <laughs> oh, you bring the Italian uh, specialties. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably take a rhubarb pie. Right, mom's bringing two rhubarb pies tomorrow, mm. but then we have more stuff to bring. Oh, again, on, on yeah, on Saturday. Yeah. Oh my gosh, so it's. It's one thing after another, one party after another, yes, huh? It is. That's fantastic. Yes, it is. Well, Eleanor, thank you so much for sharing. Uh, you know, part of your family. You, you know, the the uh, um, you know, of course, the, the Dahl Kemper name is so well regarded here in 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 our community. But uh, even beyond that, it, it just it's about. Uh, it's about what Erie is all about, which is, you know, a strong connection to family, strong connection to um, our heritage and our community. And uh, and so God bless you. Well, thank you. God bless you, too, for having us participate in your program. Uh, it's absolutely our pleasure. I hope that you, you all have a happy fourth, you know, you know, and, uh, you know, that the bag races and the sack races and all the fun things that the That's kids right. do have, have a good time. Race. Don't, don't get so competitive, Steph. I know you. All right. All right. I'll try not to. I'll try not to win. <laughs> right. Try not to win. And, 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 you know, you know, you're a typical baby boomer. So let, let the millennials start taking over some responsibility. You know what I mean? We've, we've tried, Joel. Well, actually, my daughter, a millennial, just walked by, and uh, she and some of some of her age group uh, cousins took over the kids' game Good. a couple years ago. So it, yeah. hopefully it, they will this year. And Shaney's mad at me because I told Shaney's mad at me because I totally skipped over the Gen Xers. Like we don't even bother always, with giving them. We don't give them any responsibility. You always do. You're just supposed to listen to your Alanis Morissettes and be angstful. Oh, I can do that. I'm making that happen all weekend long. Take care, you guys. God bless. We'll see you later. Bye bye. Okay, Joel. Bye. I'm sorry. I just threw you under the bus again. You know, I'm starting to get used to this. <laughs> yeah, it, you know what's funny is I'm like the only boomer in in this in the building here. Pretty much, are you? Uh, well, me and Sandy, you know. Okay. Uh, and then pretty much everybody else are Xers, and so I have to tread lightly, but I still tread. You know, it, right? Like if this whole office is filled with Xers, you, you should, you know, really. I have, I have great honor and respect for Xers. Respect as long as, the authority. Yes, respect the authority. Exactly right. I've got to, I've got to, I've got to turn. I've got to make a, a turn here because we're we got to go to our subject, which is events and and uh, celebrations around the Fourth of July. And here's our earlier recorded conversation with Jason Span- Spandenberg. All right. Well, we're glad to have with us here on this. 3rd of July, Jason Spangenberg. He is the finance director of the Borough of Edinburgh. And coming up tonight is Borough with the Works. Welcome, Jason. 
Thanks for having me, Joel. Glad to be here. All righty. So uh, let's get a little bit of your background here. You're on staff at the borough. Uh, tell us about what you do and you know how you're involved with this uh, event today. Sure. Yeah, I work for the borough of Edinburgh, the local municipality in Edinburgh. I am for the borough. I do the accounting. You know, I'm under finance director. I mostly deal with the finances, but lately I've also been trying to get more involved with uh, local events in town and. Uh, a couple of years ago, I started, we had called the Edinburgh Community Party. It's the same day as homecoming in town. Last year, we started a uh, free outdoor movie series on campus, Edinburgh's campus, which we're actually having again this year, too. That's in July as well. And then uh, the big thing in town, though, everybody in Edinburgh has been talking for years since I've been working here, and before that even, about having fireworks back in town. And so I've been working with the university for a couple of years, trying to get it going, and they offered to host on their campus. So finally this year, kind of all the stars aligned, and we're getting fireworks back on campus in Edinburgh, and it's pretty exciting to have them back. Well, I, I, I bet that there's a lot of folks that miss the fireworks because Edinburgh was one of those towns that was famous for its fireworks display back in the day. Yeah, absolutely. I've heard a lot about the fireworks. I never attended myself. I grew up uh, in McCain nearby, but I never came to the fireworks here. Um, and everybody, it, it's kind of the, one of the pride points of town that was the fireworks, and people are excited to have them back. So we had uh, a fundraising campaign and a lot of lot of local support with individuals and, and businesses and sponsorships, and there's been a lot of excitement to have them back for sure. Alrighty, so let's talk about because it's, it's more than just fireworks, it's a, a lot of different activities. Uh, is there both activities uh, on the third tonight and tomorrow, or how does it go? Can you go through the schedule for the borough with the works? Sure, yeah. For, for this event specifically, it's, it's all on the evening of the third. The event starts around 6 p.m. We have local food trucks. We're going to have a kid zone with bounce houses, face painting, balloon animals, you know, some other activities like cornhole, and uh, we have a DJ. There's going to be a performance by the concert band in Northwest PA. They're going to be playing, you know, sort of patriotic music. And then the fireworks go off, you know, at dusk, around 10 o'clock probably. Uh, tomorrow on the 4th, though, there's the annual uh, Lakeside 4th of July festivities that they have. And it's in the morning and early afternoon, I believe, on, on Lakeside in Edinburgh. And they have lots of kids' activities and, you know, sack races and those kind of classic uh small town things. And so the while that's not specifically with this event, it's, it's still a great Edinburgh thing happening on the 4th on Lakeside. Well, you know, again, being a public official, um, this, this stuff is part of civic life. It really adds to the DNA. Like you said, Edinburgh is kind of regarded for, uh, you know, its activities on the 4th. Right. Yeah, absolutely. The uh, the fireworks that used to be in town, it, it's been something like 10, 12 years since there were fireworks in town. They were over the lake, Edinburgh, you know, Edinburgh Lake in town. Um, and so Edinburgh University offered a host this year. So it's it's going to be on campus. It's a different location than, than they were previously. I think logistically it's going to work better, though. Plenty of parking on campus, lots of room. It's, it's going to work great. Um, so, yeah, pe- people are excited to have them back regardless of the location, though. And so we're definitely happy to have the university offer. I mean, they're they're a great, huge asset for this community. So it's it's great that they're supporting this event too. Let's talk about logistics. So if I'm coming in from east or west or north or, or south, what should I be doing? Should I be heading to one of the university parking lots, or uh, what's what's the plan for tonight? Yeah, I'd say about the easiest way to get to the event 
you know, there's only one main intersection in Edinburgh. It's where Route 99 and Route 6N intersect. So if you get to that intersection, go east on 6N towards the main entrance to Edinburgh campus. It's where the uh, football stadium is, you know, that, that main entrance on 6N near the post office over there on 6N. So if we come in that way, I'm going to have signs, you know, near the, the road on campus to point to the right event area. Edinburgh campus, it's just a big circle, so it's, you're not going to get lost on it. It's just come to the main football stadium entrance of campus, and, I'll, you know, there's going to be signs pointing you to the right area. And so, and really, you know, there's a, there's not a bad vantage point all the way around Mallory Lake, right? That's where basically people are going to be putting their camp chairs down and so on. Right. Yeah, the event's going to be taking place on the, the west side of Mallory Lake. There's a there's a big, long parking lot and on that side where we're going to have all the vendors, and that's going to be the primary viewing location. The fireworks are going to be shot off from the east side of Mallory Lake, so that area is going to be closed off okay. for the fallout zone of the fireworks. But there's going to be event parking signs around campus, and and I'm going to have signage, you know, pointing to the firework area. And and honestly, if you if you if you can't if you initially miss it, just keep driving. It's just one big circle on campus, so you're not going to miss it. But you'll see bounce houses and food trucks, and you know you won't miss us. I don't think. It, it, it's funny to hear, you know, that there is an actual fallout zone because I remember as a little kid, fireworks being, you know, shot off at the Erie Veterans Stadium. And the fall, we were in the fallout zone. We in, in the stands, you know. Remember having little things falling on us. It's yeah, it's a little bit more safe these days. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there, there's a lot of requirements <laughs> with insurance and all those things now that I'm I'm sure weren't weren't around before. Yeah. Yep, yep, definitely. Do you see um, kind of uh, you know the? I mean, I mean, we've kind of been back and forth between you know, whether things happen in the community or in the university, do you see a lot more synergy going on with the university these days and, and to the future? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, my, myself, I went to Edinburgh University. So ever since I've been working here, I've been trying to make sure we work a lot more together and we have a lot more collaboration. Like I mentioned earlier, we have a couple new events over the last couple of years that are directly, you know, we're working together on those. And while the, while the borough itself is not planning the borough fireworks uh, we're, we've obviously been heavily involved with, you know, Austin University, and there's a, a committee of community members that primarily form the event. But that committee is made up of people from Borough Council, from the university, from the, the town. So lots of collaboration. And, yeah, we, we have a great relationship. So I, I think that things are going to keep keep even getting better. Well, make the big invite to, for people to come out for Borough with the Works. Yeah, what better to do July 3rd, Borough with the Works, presented by Rebage Investments. Six o'clock, Edinburgh University campus. We have food trucks, kids' activities, fireworks. What more would you want to do? The, you know, in in recognition of July Fourth tomorrow, it's going to be a great night. We're glad to have with us the CEO of Visit Erie. It's the Tourism and Convention Bureau of, of Erie County. It's Visit Erie and John Oliver. Welcome, John. Thank you, Joel. It's always great to be back here chatting with you. I appreciate you coming on. I know it's a busy day. You, you know, you want to have a holiday, too. So we're glad to have you with us to kind of give us an overlay of what you know, what visitors can expect and what, you know, the natives, if you will, can uh, appreciate on the 4th of July weekend. And and that's the first question I have for you. Um, 
you kind of love it when there's like that, like that we're so close to the weekend that we can get stretch it into four days as opposed to a, like a one day holiday. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime we can uh, we can encourage uh, potential visitors to to come and stay for more than a night or even more than two nights, uh, it benefits our, our economy, uh, and uh, and and that's you know. Really, what tourism's all about, yeah. um, and it's interesting. I, I like how you talked about our, 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 you know, our residents. We staying here and enjoying everything. You know, we're the biggest proponent of staycations for mm. our own residents, mm-hmm. but that is a word we don't like to use when we're talking to people from Pittsburgh, Cleveland, <laughs> Buffalo. Yeah. We don't want staycations. Yeah. We want them to take a vacation to to come to Erie, and uh, it certainly looks like uh, the weather. Uh, is 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 going to cooperate. It's sure. going to be warm. That's for sure. Yeah, high eighties on right. Thursday. And, and, yeah. You know, some chance of rain. It's uh, you know, as long as the weather forecast is in a hundred percent rain, uh, you know, visitors we find aren't really canceling plans. Uh, you know, they're going to come in, and uh, we're looking for uh, forward to seeing a good weekend. Uh, with a lot of -of out-of-town visitors. I think with the economy booming and gas prices low, I think it was AAA who said we might be close to a record for travel this weekend. Something 44 million people will go 50 miles or further uh, to a destination. And again, of course, you're hoping that that destination is Erie, Pennsylvania. Now with the 4,500 hotel rooms in the region, they're going to find a place to stay more than likely. Well, yes, although, you know, I certainly would like to see it become difficult because that means the rooms are filled. Right. uh, You know, and it's it's traditionally a very busy weekend for us. Um, You know, Memorial Day is kind of the kickoff of of our tourism season. But Fourth of July is 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 really the you know, where summer. Well, yeah, the the lake temperature has shot up to to the low or the high 60s now. Well, actually, last night I saw the lake temperature they were saying was 72. Well, there you go then. Uh, Okay, so it's really kicking in right now. More than just the kids will be willing to go in the (laughs) water. Even the adults will try water at that temperature. Absolutely. And, And then you've got you've got seven miles of beaches. Pretty much everything is open. I, I haven't I haven't heard if there was one closure because of uh, sand replenishment or not. But uh, yeah, I'm not positive yeah. on that. I know that they're starting the sand replenishment earlier the, than they have uh, in the past couple of years uh, with a lot more sand. Okay, so, you good. Know, we're really uh, you know again uh, beaches. That's what we have that our competitors really don't have. And those that claim they have beaches that are nearby us, they're so small that mm. I don't think they count. Uh, I have a great story about beaches. I, I met a, a writer for Condé Nast Travel Magazine based out of uh, Cleveland. And she said, you know, I grew up coming to Presque Isle. You know, this is this is where my family goes to the beach. I mean, more than any of the other you know locations on the Ohio side of the border. And it was just super interesting how she was quoting to me, John. Again, I'm the eerie guy, and she's quoting to me, well, you know, it's always ranked in the top 10, you know, for freshwater beaches in America. You know, that yeah. Presque Isle, that again, this is the destination. And this is why, you know, my wife and I have always said, you know, you know, here we here we live 15 minutes 
from what people will spend hours and thousands of dollars to get to, and we could ride our bikes to it. I just I just read uh, from your t- travel writer who's uh, down in uh, southeast Pennsylvania, and he writes about various destinations and things to do throughout all of Pennsylvania. And and one quote I saw, which I thought was really great, was he was talking about Presque Isle and the beaches. And his quote was, uh, the beaches at Presque Isle are God's apology for Erie's severe winters. <laughs> I, that's pretty, pretty well put. <laughs> I thought that was, I thought that, I really got a chuckle out of that one because it is so true. Yeah, if, if we could handle, you know, the, the, you know, the snowstorms like we had in 2017, then we can certainly enjoy this summer weather. So it's looking like not a washout. It looks like just, you know, maybe some cloudy skies here and there and hot. So people are going to be driving to the beaches. But that's not, certainly that's not the only thing that we have to offer. A lot of folks this time of year, um, you know, uh, we'll get a cabin, you know, at any of our lakes, you know, whether, you know, whether they're lakeside at Edinburgh or they go to Canadota Lake. I mean, your purview is a is regional, isn't it? Well, yes. I mean, you know, we're we'd like to see our visitors staying in, in Erie County. Yeah, uh, because it's 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 such a benefit to uh, more than just the lodging when they're staying here. Right. But yes, I mean, we promote the fact uh, we're part of a four county region called Pennsylvania's Great Lakes, plural region. And that's not just because of the Great Lake of Erie. It's, as you mentioned, the other lakes and the opportunities that people have uh, to interact with water-related activities. And, and, and that's, uh, that, that is key. And, again, it's something we are able to promote uh, that, uh, that draws visitors because they don't have that opportunity uh, to do that in a staycation at their own home. Sure, sure. You think about, again— all of the different drivers that get people to Erie County, right? So whether it, whether it is they're going to come for fun in the sun, you know, go to the Presque Isle, go to the beaches, go to Waldemere, you know, and so on, um, you know. But maybe it is a, a camping experience where they're where they're staying in one, at the KOA or one of the mm-hmm. private camps. You know, I mean, I, I, Lampy's Marina has a camp. I mean, there's, you know, there's, there's, that's a whole other uh, sector. Absolutely, and it's, you know, it, and it's an important sector because those that are camping are still looking for attractions and activities and things to do, uh, and and it's because of that versatility. Uh, of what we have in this area that people can do, as you mentioned, from Waldemere to to Splash Lagoon, uh, we have the history with the Maritime Museum. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have an incredible uh, wine trail, right? That that goes from Erie to Chautauqua, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and then tie that in with a multi-county. Um, Ale Trail for right. those people. Right. So there is literally something for everyone and shopping. Uh, you know, again, we see a lot of visitors that are coming here, uh, you know, and find out that we have tax-free shopping there that are go. doing their, even now, starting to do their back-to-school shopping because <laughs> right. they're saving money. So, um, you know, we have those kind of activities to keep people involved in. And let's not forget, we have world-class sunsets. Too. That's it. Well, uh, and, you know, the other thing that occurs to me is, you you know, Take a look around 10 o'clock tomorrow uh, morning, 
at the lineup on Peninsula Dr- uh, Drive, all of the trailers with boats on them, you know, folks coming from all over the interior of Pennsylvania and Ohio to drop their boat in and one of the on one of the launch ramps on Presque Isle or mm-hmm. uh, on the lakefront. I mean, again, there's. You know, there's the boating part. There's the fishing part. You know, we're we're, we're uh, involved with uh, a new partnership with Fish USA about you know about our fishery and improving you know uh, you know the species and so on. And it, I mean, there's just you just like you said, the wineries they just click it off one after another. Whatever you're pursuing, golfing. Yeah. You know, I mean, we've got some decent golf courses. So if if uh, and I don't want to sound sexist, but if mom wants to go shopping uh, on a really super hot day, get in the air conditioning and, and, and dad wants to golf or vice versa. Right. There's that option. Yeah. You know, there's very few activities. And then when you look at. At, at the activities that are being offered at Peak and Peak, where they have you mm-hmm. know the, the 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 rope uh, treehouse type. Oh of thing. yes, the zip the, lines. Yeah. Uh, you the know, confidence it, course. Yeah, right. I mean, uh, segways. Uh, you know, so <laughs> uh, it, there's that plus the golf. I mean, so there's there's all kinds of activities for visitors. There's uh, no reason for a visitor to to arrive in the community and not find something. Uh, to, uh, that they would like to do. Uh, we even have horseback riding. Uh, yeah. We just put together uh, a video that we're going to be releasing out through YouTube and that, uh, you know, for the uh, Double D um, stables uh, and, and the opportunity for people to come in and do some horseback riding and, and have their kids experience that. So for something like that or, or getting a reservation, is is it the easiest? Is it the path of least resistance to just go to the visitor center at Tom Ridge and say, "Can you help me make a reservation?" Is that something that you guys do? Well, you know, we'll we'll definitely point them in the right direction. Great. Again, probably the easiest thing, particularly for our our, our local residents, is download our app, the Hello Erie app, no charge, uh, and and we have now upgraded that app. Uh, it's it's GPS. You can put together a whole days of activities, and it will plot it out, and it will take you from your house directly to the first stop you want and onward. So it, it's very easy. It ties right into our you know our website. All the information that you'd need, phone numbers to call to make a reservation or find out hours of operation all available. So again, I can't encourage people enough, uh, particularly locals, to go and download the Hello Erie app for free. John is the CEO of Visit Erie. And John, it's the 3rd of July. And boy, we're kicking things off for the Independence Day holiday with a bang. So there's how many different fireworks tonight and then all weekend here. Well, you know, we have three uh, fireworks displays that, that that we're aware of, and we've done the research to try to find out everything. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, there's three tomorrow, and uh, there's one uh, that will even uh, be taking place on Friday. So we don't take fireworks for granted here at Erie PA because we had a kind of a stint that we didn't have a city celebration, which... For a tourist town, I was scratching my head about, you know. It, it, it was, you know, it is one of the questions that we're asked frequently by visitors is, you know, when will the fireworks display uh, take place and where can we go to watch it? Um, 
since we're coming in from out of town. Sure. So uh, this year, it's been great to tell people that you've got, uh, you know, you can see it once or you can watch three different fireworks displays at, at multiple locations. So, you know, the the big one that's going to be taking place is, is here at the city. Uh, lights over Lake Erie is what they've called it. Uh, they're going to be firing uh, the fireworks off uh, from the Bicentennial Tower. Uh, right downtown on Dobbins Landing uh, at about 10 p.m. Uh, they're they're going to be uh, launched. And, and you know, um, it's going to be synchronized with patriotic music um, uh, playing at one of your competitors. Sure. Uh, Star, it's on Star 104. Star 104. Yeah. No problem. Um, but I wanted to make, I didn't want to <laughs> yeah. tell people that they could listen to it and then not say the station. Right, I know yeah. you'd understand. Yeah, but, absolutely. But, you know, in addition to that, the Erie Seawolves uh, tonight, after their game, uh, they're going to be having fireworks uh, from Zambelli, which is a, a nationally or world-renowned fireworks mm-hmm. company. My understanding is with the Seawolves that like they're doubling up, and so it's like maybe the biggest one from from the baseball park ever. Yes, and they also are at the baseball park. Uh, you know, they're going to be having this go off, uh, accompanied by a live performance of the Erie Philharmonic Brass Quintet. Nice. So they're coordinating that. So uh, Are they going to be coordinated time-wise, do you know, well, John? Well, you know, uh, that I, I, I don't know for yeah. sure. It, it, you know, obviously with the Seawolves, it depends on how long their baseball game goes. Right. And, yeah. You know, and, and when it ends. I think... I do believe that theirs may go off ahead of the cities. That makes sense. Yeah, it might uh, more be like wise. a 930-ish. Something yeah. along that line. Yeah. But, you know, that that really is going to be, uh, you know, uh, I think it's going to be an epic display of mm-hmm. heavy fireworks going off over the bay, plus then at the ballpark in the city. Um, people are going to be able to experience uh, fireworks as as we've not seen them before. So the, the latest reporting I heard about the Seawolves is that nearly every ticket was sold. Only only the the higher end box seats along the baselines were right. available. So it, it's been a super popular event. Exactly, and obviously, you know, if you're interested in that, having a seat in the stadium is going to be the primary prime yeah. location. But as we all know, fireworks are going to be visible from uh, you know quite a distance. So Terrific. if you were unlucky enough to not be able to, to get a ticket for the game, you'll still be able to watch those fireworks from outside uh, the stadium. Where, as far as the the big city, um, you know, the the Lake Erie light over Lake Erie. Um, Lights over Lake Erie. Would you say that uh, still getting on the on the beach, getting on the peninsula, is a is a good idea? Well, you know, I'm not sh- I'm not sure the views from the beach side or the lake side of the peninsula, but absolutely views from the bay side right. on the peninsula. You're going to have some spectacular views uh, of that. Uh, or if you're coming downtown, anywhere along the bayfront. Uh, you're going to have some uh, some great views. Uh, also, as a sidebar on this, pleased to report that uh, the Bayfront Parkway from the end of 79 to, to downtown, uh, PennDOT has totally completed oh. the paving <laughs> and the roads all lined. So oh, that's accolades terrific. to PennDOT to get in prior to the start of our holiday and get, and get that... Um, 
you know, done. Uh, so I did want to mention terrific. that. That's terrific. Yeah. Yes, I think that's, uh, while there'll be a lot of traffic downtown, uh, the uh, Bayfront Parkway, uh, having been torn up for road repair, repaving, mm. is not going to be a factor. Yeah, so so watching it along the bay side on on the Presque Isle side, and then of course anywhere along the bay on the city side, you know, there's some great viewing spots right. on Bayview. Now a lot of them are marked no parking, so you might have to catch a, a space, you know, inland. So Fourth right. or Fifth Street, walk down to Front Street well, and, and take and, a look. And you know, view from you know on top of the bluff. Yeah, exactly. Out. So yeah. there'll be a lot of great vantage points uh, for people to. Uh, to you know, to view and 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 local residents are definitely going to know where to go right. to view. So uh, if you have a friend with a boat, could be a nice time to tap them. You know, say, hey, let's go out and watch the watch the fireworks. fireworks exactly. Yeah. So you know, in addition to that, on the third, um, there's also going to be uh, fireworks. Uh, down in Edinburgh. Yes. Um, you know, they've got, uh, you know, their community events are going to begin uh, tonight at 6 p.m. Uh, they, they've got a kids zone, uh, food trucks, uh, you know, and uh, near Mallory Lake on campus. Uh, and they're going to have fireworks there are going to be starting about 930 uh, tonight. They do have they have established a rain date that would be July 6th. OK. But, um we're totally optimistic that it will go off as scheduled. So. And that's a nice connection between the university and the borough of Edinburgh. So the the, the fireworks are back in Edinburgh. They, they right. there's always a heritage there in Edinburgh uh, to have uh, to have the the fireworks go off. And so we're excited about that. We're going to actually have somebody from the borough on in a little bit uh, to talk more about that's this great. after the five and, o'clock and, hour. And you know, again, as as visit Erie, yeah, we look at visitors who are at. Edinburgh Lake, oh, yeah. uh, you know, at the comfort out there, staying in that in, sure. in, in that community, um, giving them an opportunity to view fireworks without having to travel any great distance. Again, uh, three displays tonight, right? Correct. There's there's the one down at the Bicentennial Tower that the city's putting on. Uh, the Seawolves have one that'll be taking place after their last game, and then Edinburgh uh, will be celebrating uh, activities and fireworks tonight. So yeah, nine thirty for Edinburgh, probably nine thirty ish for the Seawolves. It's after the game, and then the ten o'clock, the the big lights over Lake Erie. Right? Yes, correct. Okay. So yeah, you find your place wherever is easier for you. Okay, pivoting to tomorrow, the actual July Fourth holiday, and um, you know, why don't we go ahead? And, are there fireworks tomorrow night? Yes, there are fireworks tomorrow night, and and Lawrence Park will be okay. having. Uh, you know, they have a, a, a ten a.m. bike parade. Two p.m. is a parade, and dusk will be fireworks at okay. Lawrence Park. Uh, Mer- uh, out in Northeast. Uh, there will be uh, uh, fireworks at dusk out uh, from the Mercyhurst Northeast campus. Oh, good! Uh, so that'll be taking place on the on the fourth uh, for them uh, for people to go out and, and enjoy. Um, also in Cory uh, on the fourth at uh, the city park, uh, the Cory Area Council of Arts from one to eight p.m. have a festival going on, including crafts, music, food, and, mm, and a wow. lot more activities. 
and fireworks there will take place tomorrow between nine and nine thirty. Okay, um, you know sundown. So, so pretty much, it, the, many of the local boroughs are having fireworks on the fourth. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So it it offers visitors, or it offers our local residents sure. that are are living uh, out there that opportunity not to overlook on the fourth. Also, without uh, no fireworks, but the annual Mill Creek Parade. Yeah, that's the that's the big parade down uh, what Twelfth Street, right? Yep, down Twelfth Street uh, to the American Legion. That starts at nine forty-five in the morning. Yeah, our sister station will be involved with that, with uh, and so many different fire trucks and and you know and bands and things like that. That seems and, and tons of candy. So, uh, but I would think tomorrow with the heat, everybody's saying bring lots of water. Make sure those kids have are lathered up with sunscreen and you got to be careful yeah absolutely and and finally tomorrow is an activity the erie maritime museum is celebrating the fourth uh with the um they're uh, they're having hands-on activities for the uh for the kids from 11 to 3 p.m and free admission to the museum and a tour of the niagara uh, Very that'll cool. That'll be in port. So, uh, you know, th- that's that's taking place really from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. where you can enter and have free admission. So, uh, you know, that that's a bonus uh, for residents and visitors uh, to be able to have access to the museum uh, and, and, and the ship itself. So, uh, you know, that's going on. And finally, on Friday the 5th, um, up at Peak and Peak, they're having what they're calling a Caddyshack party. Okay. Uh, that, that's Love that gonna, movie. It's going to go from 5 to 10 p.m., 5 p.m. to 10 p.m. They're going to have live music, um, plenty of family activities, free family activities, and fireworks. Oh, terrific. So if someone's into fireworks, they'll be wow. able to see fireworks for three consecutive days. And in some places, if they want to race around, they can see more than one in, a, in the day. And you never know, again, with so many private displays, you know, you're driving down a, a main highway and you're just seeing them all over from the neighborhoods, and of course, right. we encourage everybody to be super careful with their fireworks. But there's been those changes in Pennsylvania law to allow some of the heavier duty fireworks, and so these these uh, fireworks stores are doing a bang up business. Yeah, because now Pennsylvania residents are able to purchase what out of state residents could purchase. Never, I, I always thought that was kind of strange that yeah. people from out of state would come in to buy fireworks that residents weren't able to <laughs> right. buy. Um, but, you know, yes, that is available. And, of course, you know, uh, caution on, on yeah. use to follow directions and, and have extreme caution with fireworks. Use, use those big buckets of water to, to rinse down your uh, yeah. carcasses. <laughs> we want nothing but everybody to have a safe uh, and enjoyable fourth. It's, it's, it, it, it's cool to see, you know, that, uh, beyond, you know, beyond the, you know, the major attractions like Presque Isle and, and Waldemere and stuff, which again, you know, I think Waldemere has fireworks this weekend too. You know, um, I don't believe this year. Not this year. Okay, no. there, there's plenty they, of they just they made the decision that there were enough fireworks now taking oh, okay. place that yeah. they uh, they decided this year that it wasn't necessary. They'll probably be back with it. them on Labor Day or the night before. Yeah, they they, they, be they usually do that. The you know, I mean, be, but beyond the major attractions, you could there's something to do, which is kind of that hometown, old fashioned Fourth of July experience right. in a place like Northeast, in Cory, in you know, in Lawrence, Lawrence Park. Park. I mean, yeah. that's really. Fantastic. 
fabulous. And and again, you talk to people from those communities; they're fiercely loyal to their to their uh, celebrations, and so it, it really builds that community fiber, doesn't it? It does, and we like promoting those kind of events in our local festivals to to um, visitors because it gives them an opportunity to experience something more than just a traditional tourist attraction, yeah. um, which they do. But, you know, for them to get a sense of what makes up our community, uh, getting them out into uh, the smaller communities, out to Northeast or to Lawrence Park or, or festivals that have a lot of local residents, we get that feedback a lot from visitors that what they say is, you know, it's really great to be able to go on a vacation and you and you actually are intermingling with local residents, mm-hmm. whether it's on the beach, whether it's an Eight Great Tuesday, uh, whether it's the upcoming Greek festival right, that's taking yeah. place or any of the other festivals, um, they, visitors will tell us, you know, we went to the greatest little restaurant that we never would have found, but somebody local said, that's my favorite. Wow. And so that's the kind of thing. I've, I've given those kind of suggestions. Right. People are like, where's a great place to get this? Or, you know, where's the best pizza you in know, town? You know? And I've said this before when I've talked and been on your show before is, you know, we had Visit Erie. Uh, you know, we attract visitors here. We're not out there meeting every visitor mm-hmm. that comes in. And we're dependent on our local residents, as they run into tourists and visitors that are from out of town, uh, they're, they're our welcoming um, mat to the community. And, and vis- that they determine whether visitors, one, have an enjoyable time, two, spend more money in this community, and three, want to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's that's why getting them out. And, and, and I have to say, our local residents, from what we hear from visitors, go out of their way. And it's not unusual to hear from a resident who's, or from a visitor who says, wow, you know, I was I was totally lost. I stopped to ask somebody. They got in their car and said, follow me. <laughs> and they drove them wow. to where they were going. You know, they, they said, this is something we don't experience <laughs> that's, that's in fabulous. other places that we've gone to visit. So again, you know, hats off to our residents who have who step up every day uh, and and sell Erie as 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 the place that it, it is. It's a so yeah. Place. Well, you're driving in all the traffic this week, and especially in the touristy areas. Keep your smiles up and the gestures down, right? <laughs> <laughs> because it, you know we are going to get slammed, you know, on 12th Street and on Peninsula Drive. Just just roll with the flow. It's it, people are having fun, and it's a special weekend. Again, we were saying right. in the last half hour, you you love it when you get a four day weekend out of the deal. You know, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And, and, you know, visitors, visitors don't purposely try to cut off others, uh, you know, and we do the best we can to try to find put signage up mm-hmm. that helps out. As a matter of fact, there's a, a, a GPS system called Waze. Oh, yeah, yeah. sure. Uh, we're now um, on Waze. For, we're trying this out for July and August. Um, we now have our visitor center on ways that pops up. Oh, cool! So the little uh, icon will pop up on the map of people using ways for visitor information. If they click on it, then they'll be routed right to the visitor information center. So, cool. you know, again, we're trying to find ways to make it easy for visitors uh, 
to uh, you know to access information um, so that they're here and enjoy have an enjoyable time. And again, uh, this weekend through Labor Day, this is this is when we shine as a community to the tourists, visitors. Absolutely, and you know we we kicked off Memorial Day weekend with the Russian uh, festival, mm-hmm. and you know we have coming up this weekend. Uh, we have the Greek festival. The Pangeri, yeah. So great food, great fun, yeah. Great entertainment yeah. And, and something that we like to make visitors aware that they can experience something a, a little bit different than they might have thought. Um, so, you know, we're we're encouraging our visitors to go over and partake in those activities. I'm trying to think, uh, the, the, you know, they do pretty well with parking. Um, I can't remember if they have shuttles, you know, or something like that. Yeah. No, I, you know, parking always yeah. is uh, is is a challenge, but that's uh, that just uh, shows people that it's popular yes. and it's worth it's worth mm-hmm. finding parking or waiting for parking because uh, obviously that many people. Um, are showing that it's 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 an event you don't want to miss. Something like well over a thousand pieces of baklava. I mean, just incredible, and the the dancers and the entertainment. Yeah, that's this weekend uh, in Erie, PA. We're talking to John Oliver. He's the CEO of Visit Erie. If you want more information, visiterie.com is the website. I do want to talk too about. In the midst of all of this, with the with the fireworks and the parades and the Fourth of July celebrations, there's also a major golf tournament happening at the peak. Yes, the the LeeCom Health Challenge, as it's called, um, is a, a a golf tournament. It's uh, you know it involves professional golfers. Uh, in in this uh, tournament and tour that it's part of, uh, really is like the AAA. Mm-hmm. Many. If, uh, of our current professional golfers playing on the PGA all came through and started wow. with this tour. And it's a four-day event. It uh, it starts uh, Thursday. It goes Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, and this year, there's no admission charge. Well, that's nice. Um, uh, organizations have stepped up. I know for Saturday, Visit Erie has stepped up and is uh, Visit Erie along with the Chautauqua County uh, Visitors Bureau the two of us are sponsoring Saturday's admission, uh, covering that so that sponsorship. So, yeah, yeah, you know, go out to the peak. There's all kinds of activity, and if you if you enjoy golf, yeah, uh, you're going to see some spectacular golfers uh, out there. Any idea how the, the upper courses do? Did they recover okay from the? There was some kind of. Um Vandalism over the winter time. Have you heard anything either uh, oh, way? You know, I've, personally, I've gone out and I've had the opportunity. Oh, okay. to play you got to play the upper course, course this good. year. Well, and, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> so I know that the course is in great. Okay, shape. terrific, and, great and, news. And, yeah, you know, it it certainly will prove to be. Uh, a challenge for our professional. Yeah, how, how do you, how, what's your handicap on the upper course there? I if, if, high. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I, you know, they don't let duffers like me even walk on the upper course. <laughs> you know, I, I may be the uh, the living example of the quote that uh, golf is a good walk spoiled. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. Oh my gosh! So so that starts Thursday. Yeah. And again, if you're if you're if you're even a casual observer, you could see some amazing golf. Right. Well, you know, just the scenery mm. and having the opportunity. To uh, to walk the course 
and see the views that you get to see. Um, uh, it, the scenery alone is is worth just going up there to experience that. Uh, and you have the opportunity to walk that course and see that without having to pay, nice. uh, you know, a, a, any kind of a fee and you know so it's a great opportunity i think the weather is going to uh again hold off mm-hmm. um for us so uh we're looking forward to that being a uh, being a, a shining example uh showing off regionally chautauqua and erie you know john we were talking uh well yesterday we had, we or last night we had a, a uh, t- uh, talk with our friends from the Jefferson and just, you know, how unusual it is for mm-hmm. a market this size to have a think tank. And on Monday, I spent the day at Chautauqua Institution. It was media day, and they invited me to come. Mm-hmm. I saw Governor Kasich and James Fallows, who wrote the book, Our Towns. And it, it just occurs to me, these major assets, you know, and again, uh, you're, you know, you're this, you're looking through the lens of, of, of a visitor, of tourism. I mean, it's just so unreal the kinds of things that we have available for people, isn't it? In in a in a market this size, in in, in our place, yes, I, you know, and it, and it extends to so many things. The amount of retail opportunities that we have yeah. here uh, for for the number of residents we have is is extensive. Ex- well, yeah, and we wouldn't have the mall that we have without the Canadian visitors and all the other visitors. The Ohio and New York yeah. people coming in. Uh, you know, if, if for a market this size, uh, when I talk to my counterparts in smaller markets, whether yeah. it's in Pennsylvania, similar size, or around the country, uh, and and they realize the amount of media coverage that we have, local media. We have all the major networks. We have, uh, you know, probably a dozen uh, radio station, uh, you know, we still have a full time seven day newspaper. Right. Not, Harrisburg doesn't have no, that. You exactly. Know. Pittsburgh so, is losing their full time paper. Right. Uh, you know, so it, they're astounded. And, and, you know, again, I think that, um, you know, the more the more our residents travel and, and themselves and start to see what, what else, I think the bigger appreciation. And I hear that from people that have moved away and come back going, wow, I I didn't realize how great and how much stuff mm-hmm. we have in this region. And the fact is, you know, we crossed that state line. Nobody knows whether they're in New York or yeah. Pennsylvania yeah. or really cares. Um, we just flow back and forth. And, and you know, I know, um, it, you know, it's not just tourism. We, we promote cross county, cross mm-hmm. state lines. Um, because it benefits all of us. Absolutely. We're talking to John Oliver. He's the CEO of Visit Erie. And again, some of the, you know, a lot of the kudos needs to go to you and your staff, to the Sports Commission for creating these great opportunities for both the, the locals and the visitors to enjoy. We had a great time down at the waterfront uh, weekend just a couple weeks ago and right. hung out with and, and were able to chat with Mark Jenneret. I mean, just, it's like, this is unbelievable. And, 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 the, and again, unsolicited the folks that you know the vendors the people that come from out of town to put these events on and say we don't have a better place than erie pennsylvania where we put on our events it's unreal i can't encourage people more than to go to either the google or the um um the iphone uh, yeah. one and download it's free hello erie uh, and and this will give you a complete breakdown of events that are taking place from now through the summer 
uh, along with just general information, phone numbers, attractions, anything else. So when you have relatives that are coming to visit you and family and that, you'll have ease of access to find things to do and to make calls ahead of time and plot that out for them. So all the activities we talked about this hour are on that app and on your website, right? Yes, they are. Okay. So all the events are there. You don't have to write them down or remember. Just go get the app. It's the easiest get way. Get the app or go to visiterie.com and you'll have, uh, you'll have that information. Okay, looking ahead uh, from now until Labor Day, some big stuff is still to come. Oh, we have some huge events. Roar on the Shore, going to be at a new venue and site out in Northeast at the Lake Erie Speedway. Uh, You know, I I think that's going to be interesting. We're encouraging residents to go on out to uh, partake in the activities, the concerts and everything else. There will be plenty of seating in that. You might want to take Station Road. I've been driving on 86. It wouldn't be fun for uh, for a motorcyclist. If you're on a motorcycle, yeah, I think what you're going to want to do is go down and take, um, well, actually, uh, 89. Okay. You you can go down 90, get off at exit 41. That's smart. Take 89 south and about three miles. Miles, you're right at the uh, right at the track, so you know I think that would would help. Uh, Celebrate Erie is going to be taking place with uh, with free concerts and entertainment. Uh, that's coming up in August. Uh, also. We have the uh, tall ships coming back. And they keep on announcing a new ship and a new ship. It's incredible. There are 15 ships. Uh, <laughs> we, we actually have more ships coming to our festival this year uh, than Buffalo does coming to their tall ships festival. Uh-huh. They have, I think, only 10. We're going to have 15 uh, all kinds of activities. And very reasonable. It's like 10 bucks right. to see all the ships from the well, from the this, this side yep. there. And also part of the Tall Ships Festival will be the uh, rubber duck. Oh, there you go. It's coming back. And the baby duck. And the baby duck. <laughs> so, you know, there's there's going to be something for everyone to see and, and activity. And let's not forget all of the local festivals yeah. from Polish Festival to Irish to Italian, uh, you know, uh, that they're all going to be taking place, uh, you know, this summer. So there isn't a weekend where there isn't multiple things You're to right. consider to do this year. Just like we slam all kinds of uh, of activities within the the short months of summer, we slammed a lot of information in one hour. Thank you so much, John Oliver, CEO of Visit Erie. Appreciate you being on with us. Hey, thank you, Joel. Uh, live with us here in the studio to kind of finish our hour today. George Deitch, he is the executive director of the Erie County Historical Society. And welcome back to the program, George. Thanks, Joel. We're glad to have you here. Our, our focus today is what, uh, what we commemorate every year right around the 4th of July. That's not this nation's independence, but it is the Battle of Gettysburg and July 1st, 2nd, and 3rd, 1863. Right. And that battle, uh, as all historians can do, will argue about um, uh, whether or not one or the other or something. But I, I believe the Battle of Gettysburg was the most important battle of the Civil War because if Lee had won a major victory on northern soil, it would have changed the entire war. There's no question. There, there, there's, there's a whole situation of, of, um, of uh, suing for peace if Lee wins, Right. 
That's uh, that's certainly a possibility. And even as late as a year later, when uh, the war had been going much better for the union, uh, as late as August, Lincoln had felt he might not he would not be reelected. So if if in 63, uh, the Confederates had won a major victory on northern soil, it would have changed the character of the war. There's no question about it. All right. So the focus that we want to have is. On the uh, the 83rd Pennsylvania uh, Infantry Regiment, which basically, what was the scope of that? Was just, that just Erie County, or was it more northwestern Pennsylvania recruitment? There were multiple regiments raised in and around northwestern Pennsylvania. The 83rd, half of it was raised in Erie County. Um, four out of the five of the companies were raised in Crawford County and okay. one from out in Forest County. But it was, it was centric to uh, Erie County. And the commander of the regiment was? Well, the original commander was John McClain, um, who the school district is named after, although he died a colonel. It took him 100 years to become a general in the Pennsylvania (laughs) National Guard, but that's another story for another day. Sure. But um, the second commander was Strong Vincent, um, and he was the uh, with the regiment from the very beginning. He would go on to become a brigade commander commanding four regiments at the Battle of Gettysburg. Uh, so the commander at Gettysburg was the um, former, what would, if he was alive now, would be the president of uh, Edinburgh University. Um, his name was Orifice Woodward. So wow. he, he was a captain and um, commander of the regiment on Little Round Top. And, and uh, regiments are equal to what well, I mean for, for, they're kind of companies or not yeah they're, not? they're 10 companies okay each of a hundred men um, but by the time you get to Gettysburg the 83rd had about 300 men in the unit yeah they had been decimated I mean they they were in almost every important battle of uh, of the war to date right yeah I mean, it, and throughout they actually would suffer the second highest number of battle deaths of any regiment in the Union Army and uh, none of it was because of bad mistakes it was mm-hmm. the fact that they were in the middle of a lot of tough fights. They just got sent to the fight. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So the 83rd has this uh, uh, young man from Waterford, right? Uh, an, right? An attorney who probably should have had a cushy job, you know, back behind the line somewhere, but he was at the front of the line. He was 26 years old, strong Vincent. And actually in March, he had been offered to become the judge advocate, advocate general for the entire army. And um, he turned that down saying, no, I enlisted to fight. Wow. Yeah. Pretty, a lot of valor there. All right. So, uh, so he's, he's underneath John McClain. John McClain uh, is, uh, is killed in action, right? John McClain is killed in May of 62. And uh, I'm sorry, June of 62 at the Battle of Gaines's Mill. And then uh, Strong Vincent, who is down with malaria at the time, will recover in New York City in Erie. And then he'll return to the Army by December of 62. He will resume command of the 83rd and then be promoted in May to be command of the uh, brigade, the 3rd Brigade, 1st Division, 5th Corps. Okay, so when we talk about brigade, you're meaning that there's four regiments underneath. So can you name those for us? Oh, sure. You have the 83rd Pennsylvania and the 44th New York. They fought side by side on almost every battlefield of the Civil War. They're actually nicknamed the Butterfield Twins after their original (laughs) brigade commander. Wow. And then there was the... um, 
uh, the 16th Michigan, and then the uh, so famous 20th Maine, if you've ever seen the movie Gettysburg. Mm-hmm. So it's the 20th Maine. Okay, so um, so they were, from what I understand, you know, Gettysburg started July 1st because, um, you know, General Lee from the Confederates was trying to make some inroads into northern country, cross the Mason-Dixon line, and basically... There were skirmishes all the way up, but they did not like flank him or stop him before he got to PA. Is that no, accurate? Uh, or? Well, there were some. There were some fights. There's a particularly um, interesting one in the Loudon Valley, which is um, uh, between the um, Bull Run Mountains and the Blue Ridge Mountains in Virginia. And um, the 83rd uh, played a critical role, along with the rest of Vincent's brigade, in helping to break the Confederate cavalry lines. And okay. So they continued to march up. It was a two-week-plus march, brutal conditions, 100 degrees, lack of water. Thousands of men fell out um, of the uh, Union Army on the march. Interestingly enough, though, uh, Vincent had the 83rd so well-trained that only four men uh, fell out on the march, and one wow. of them was wounded in one of the battles of the Loudoun Valley. So he really only lost three stragglers, while the army lost thousands upon thousands of stragglers. So they get to Gettysburg um, uh, in the early morning hours of July 2nd. The battle, the first day's battle, had taken place. Uh, pretty sharp defeat for the Union Army in terms of casualties and position, but the fighting did delay... Um, the Confederates long enough for a new position to be taken up that would run in a a classic called a fishhook with the furthest down uh, southern hill called Little Round Top. And Mm. um, throughout the day, more reinforcements on the second poured in. The Fifth Corps was was left in reserve. Um, The main Confederate attack gets launched against the southern part of the line, um, crushing attack. And again, the, the Confederates are coming from the north. It was a weird thing, right? Weren't the Confederates well, kind of coming from the north and the west and the, uh, and the the Union was in the south and the east? Right. Of, yeah. But when you when you look at this this fishhook line, the um, the bottom of the shank is at the south end of the battlefield. Okay. And um, there were supposed to be uh, Union forces anchoring on this hill called Little Round Top. Um, the the Union commander, Dan Sickles, though, arbitrarily moved his troops out into a different position and left this wide open. Mm. And so as the battle is raging and Sickles' corps is basically getting crushed by James Longstreet's Confederates, they realize uh, General Meade sends his uh, uh, top engineer to uh, up onto the hill to see what was going on. And he realizes that there are no Union troops up there also realizes that an entire Confederate division is bearing down on the position. He sends an aide out. His aide can't find any uh, uh, forces to uh, come rescue that position. Finally, another aide from uh, 5th Corps is sent out looking for the, uh, the troops just coming onto the battlefield as reinforcements from 5th Corps, led by Strong Vincent. His uh, commanding general, James Barnes, is not with the troops. I strongly believe he was drunk wow. um, because not only was he not with the troops, but when he did finally show up, he completely fouled up the Union position in the wheat field and almost lost it for them. So Vincent intercepts this courier 
And the courier, he asks what the courier's orders are. The courier says, I'm to find General Barnes. Vincent knows Barnes is not there and not capable. And he asks three times for the orders. The courier finally gives it to him. And it basically was um, General Sykes directs General Barnes to send a brigade to, quote, yonder hill. And he points toward Little Round Top. And this is the crucial point. Strong Vincent says, I will take responsibility. So he takes his own brigade without direct orders outside the chain of command, which is a court martial offense, um, up to the hill. And he arrives literally 10 minutes before the Confederates do. Had he not done that and had the Confederates occupied that prominent spot on the Yankee flank, I think there was no doubt the battle would have changed. Um, He literally saved the Union by 10 minutes. 10 minutes. And again, it was a a division level uh, amount of troops going against his uh, his brigade level. So he was he he was he was outnumbered. Uh, The Confederate attack broke up into smaller pieces, depending on the objective. But he was certainly outnumbered on the uh, by the and not only were the were there more Confederate troops, the, the Confederate division that attacked him was. I consider the crack division in the entire Confederate Army. Oh, my. What was it? It was uh, the one brigade. Well, it was General Hood's division, and he was perhaps the most aggressive leader on the battlefield for the Confederates and most successful. Um, And the troops were uh, from Texas and Alabama, and they were the type of troops that when Lee sent them in, they never faltered. It's interesting how, and we're talking to George Deitchies, the uh, executive director of the Erie County Historical Society. Just for me, and this might be just me, but as you're rattling off these Confederate generals, I know all those names. Did they become more more well-known than some of the Union generals? I mean, we know Grant and Meade and uh, the little guy, uh, McClellan, but... Uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean, Longstreet and Hill. I mean, they're they're famous men. They, it's pretty they incredible. are, and they, you know, they have, uh, uh, for instance, Camp AP Hill down in yeah. in Virginia is a sprawling military district. Um, uh, Fort Hood in Texas is where we train our tankers. So these guys uh, have a real legacy. Um, we we are excited to have with us George Deitch. He is uh, uh, with us in the studio. We're talking about the Battle of Gettysburg, and uh, we're so glad uh, to have him here. Now, um, you know, this is Jan- uh, July 2nd, 1863. The Confederates are bearing down in the middle of all, you know, I mean, I mean, is artillery going on? I mean, is it is it full-blown warfare oh, at absolutely. this point? There, there were literally... The Confederates ultimately overran and captured 45 Union cannon. Now, uh, they didn't keep them all, but it'll give you an idea about how many guns were on the field. The Confederates probably had uh, 60 cannon in in the attack, and the Union probably had 75 in the defense overall, but some of it was piecemealed. But the cannons are blasting away. As a matter of fact, when Strong Vincent gets to the top of Little Round Top with his aide, Oliver Wilcox Norton, who was a school teacher from Springfield, also the first man to um, uh, to play taps. He helped to uh, create right, taps, um, and that's a whole other story. Mm-hmm. But the two of them were on horseback, 
and Norton had the brigade flag, and the Confederate gunners, who were about three-quarters of a mile away at this point, saw the flag and these two horsemen, and they started to shell toward them. And Vincent uh, turned to Norton and said, get that damn flag down. <laughs> and Norton took the, the flag and the two horses and went behind the hill, leaving uh, Vincent there to basically uh, decide how he wanted to lay out the defense okay. as his brigade is following him on foot. Okay, so uh, they get to Round Top, and what is the layout? And, and because there's a very important uh, counterattack that you, sure. Well, just take us through the whole thing there. Vincent will, when his troops arrive, will lay his uh, forces out, array his forces in a U-shaped, about three quarters of the way down the hill. Now, why didn't he grab the top of the hill? Well. It wasn't what was called the military crest. The best position was three quarters of the way down. And if he had gotten driven off the top of the hill, there was no place to to defend in depth. So he laid. He's about fourteen hundred men. Um, arrays them from the 20th Maine on the left, and he says to Joshua Chamberlain, he says, hold that ground at all hazards, which means die in place. You cannot step back. Then comes the 83rd Pennsylvania, then the 44th New York, and then the 16th Michigan. So the Confederate attacks, one Alabama and two Texas regiments attack the center first. They attack the 44th New York and the 83rd Pennsylvania. And these guys are used to attacking Union positions and breaking through, and they got thrown back three times by Vincent's men. Remember, Vincent's men had arrived 10 minutes before the Confederates did. So then they shift their uh, focus to uh, what would be the 83rd's left against the the, um, 20th Maine with two Alabama regiments, and then they shift also toward the 16th Michigan, which is um, at, at the far right of the line. The 16th which is the smallest regiment in the brigade, um, starts to break. Its colonel and its flag bearer flee, and they run up over the hill. About half the men follow them. Vincent, who's in the center of the line, realizes that something is going on in his right flank. He moves quickly over to that, and he rallies the remaining men. He stands up on a rock and says... Uh, to the men, don't give an inch, boys, don't give an inch. And he he stabilizes the the line long enough for um, one more Union regiment coming in as reinforcements to show up. And as the line stabilizes, he steps off of this large rock and he is shot um, probably, now people say a sharpshooter, every time an officer gets shot, somebody says a sharpshooter. Yeah. It's probably one of the Confederate infantrymen who was probably within 40, 50 yards of him. And he gets a horrible wound, hits him in the left hip, crosses through his gut, and, uh, and lodges in the right hip. He'll die uh, an agonizing death in five days. But uh, during that uh, period of time when he had stabilized the position, and then the Confederates shifting to the other side, uh, the story of Joshua Chamberlain holding on with the 20th Maine, finally driving the Confederates away. Um, the line stabilizes, and one of the officers from the 83rd will go out and said within a, within a circle of 100 feet um, in front of the unit, he counted 50 Confederate dead. Also, they captured two Confederate colonels right in front of the 83rd. Oh so it was, it was a very bloody, very tenacious defense, which turned away uh, some of the best regiments in the Confederate Army. 
Wow. Talk about, uh, you know, this this hinge move, this flanking move that supposedly that the Maine did. Well, Joshua Chamberlain's Maine troops had bent themselves back almost in a reverse V because the Confederates kept uh, pushing around their open. So flank. they were they were in a defensive mode at that right. point. Okay. And so ultimately, Chamberlain is virtually out of ammunition. The, he's, he's, he is repulsed with the 20th Maine and with help from the 83rd, three Confederate attacks. The Confederates are reforming at the base of the hill, and he decides that he can't hold on anymore. So he has his men fix bayonets and basically straighten out their line and charge downhill. And he catches the Confederates in a situation where they are reforming and they're surprised at the, at the bayonet attack and they break. And um, that, and again, with help from uh, troops from the 83rd, they round up a, a, about 400 prisoners altogether. Wow. And um, so Vincent, of course, um, ultimately sacrifices his life. What really is an interesting part of this is at the end of the second day at Gettysburg, George Meade, the commander of the army, sends a long telegram to President Lincoln explaining what has been happening and why he's staying um, and they're fighting it out there. And throughout this long telegram, he mentions only one officer, and that's Strong Vincent. Unreal. And he, he talks about Vincent um, being, you know, gallantly holding on. He's mortally wounded. He said that he would had planned to promote Vincent anyway, but he asked Lincoln to promote him to Brigadier General. And uh, Lincoln, the next day, will do so. And there will be a telegram uh, promoting uh, Strong Vincent to the uh, uh to big, being a brigadier general, um, laid on his deathbed before he dies. Strong Vincent also said something uh, very uh, eerie, um, not to make a pun, yeah. but when they crossed the Mason-Dixon line moving into Pennsylvania from Maryland, he'll make a couple of statements. One of them will be that the coming battle will either be a star, which means he'll become a general, or his death. And it turned out it was both. He, he, he wrote to his wife that, that remark, right? Right. And again, she was left a widow with a young, I think a young one. Well, the uh, Blanche was born in September and then would die within a year. Oh, okay. And so, um, yeah, you know, um, Elizabeth, Lizzie, will be uh, a widow and she will um, never remarry and uh, spend most of the rest of her life living with his, with Strong Vincent's younger brother, uh, who was in his family, who was the uh, Episcopal Bishop of um, Cincinnati. The, uh, the, the statue in, in Gettysburg, we're down to our like, last minute. The statue in Gettysburg doesn't really mention Vincent, but it says something about the ultimate soldier. Right, and the reason why is because Pennsylvania did not allow individual soldiers' names, especially the ones that got wealthy after the war, to name statues after themselves. Gotcha. The 83rd soldiers pulled a quick one because they had this statue that looked like Strong Vincent, <laughs> okay. called it the ultimate soldier, and um, put it up and, with a wink and a nod. George Deitch, the executive director of the Erie County Historical Society. Uh, what about the Civil War is available uh, in your uh, collections there? We have a, a very nice uh, collection that is focused on Erie from all the regiments. And we actually have Strong Vincent's field sword there. Wow. So if you want to take a look at the sword he carried, um, you can come down and see that. That's and we fantastic. also have Abraham Lincoln's, the flag that draped Abraham Lincoln's coffin in our collection. You have that flag. Yes, wow. we do. The one from New York. That's unreal. Thank you so much, George. Again, uh, the rest of the story is Pickett's charge on July 3rd was repulsed. 
And uh, we win the Battle of Gettysburg and the Union wins the war. And Lee was never able to gather enough initiative again to carry an offensive north. So it really wow. it really did uh, change the course of the war in the east. And the 83rd kept going, huh? The 83rd kept going. They'd suffer 40% of their casualties just in 1864. 